This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie Dobbin? I'm very well, Dean Holland. It's a gloomy kind of a day, but we're still super happy to get rain where I live. Yeah, well, we're getting snow. We have uh, been getting snow for the last 24 hours or so in Collingwood area. So who knows what's happening in between us? We'll yeah, have to, probably we'll slush. Have, probably <laughs> slush. <laughs> yeah. And now we don't expect it to last a whole long because we're we're sitting, uh, what, above or at zero is what our forecast is saying for the next couple of weeks. But for the time being, we're getting snow. So, like, you have to go and shovel after the show? Um. You could clear the end of the driveway, but I don't think there's much of a point because, again, I think it's going to it's going to raise the temperature is going to go up a little bit. It's yeah. going to melt. Why shovel so, if you don't have to? Yeah. But you're getting rain. Yes, we are. We've been raining, uh, not like pouring rain, but steady since yesterday. So yesterday, last night, I think today, even tonight, even tomorrow, it might keep raining. So that's very, very good because we've just, you know, our water table dropped a long ways down. So we are really just happy for the moisture in the soil and hoping that this is going to not only water my plants before the ground freezes, but also uh, start replenishing uh, people's wells. Okay, so it's it's good to get rain this time of year. I mean, it's good any moisture, yes? Yeah, it is, exactly. If it wasn't raining or snowing for either of us and you had access to water, it would be very important to get that. Make sure your garden plants are well watered before winter frees up. Okay, okay, that helps them get through the cold the winter, does it? Yeah. Well, yeah, because when the ground freezes, um, they cannot, there's no moisture moving in the soil. So yeah. when, so the plants need to go into winter fully, um, fully charged, if you will, with moisture as opposed to hurting for water. Because if you really get right down to it, I, I mean, I don't know how microscopic you want to get here, but if you get right down into the cellular biology of plants, each cell is made up similar <clears throat> to human beings. There's a made up of like 99% water. I mean, there's so much liquid that hold, holds the cell walls apart is the bottom line. So without the water, the cells shrink and, and the plants suffer. Of course. Okay. I know you have an announcement, but I'm going to give out the numbers. Okay. We'd love for you to call with any gardening questions uh, or watering questions or whatever you've got. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, here's a toll-free number. 1-866-740-4740. Let Ashy know if you're a first-time caller. And I'll give you the garden wings and, of course, call off and call early and please one question per call. What do you got there, Charlie? What's up? All right. Just quickly, a, a reminder that Christmas with Milne House is happening this week, Tuesday, December 5th, from one o'clock in the afternoon right through until seven. They don't say anything about food here, but they must be offering tea and, and food along the way because it is a workshop. It's a six hour workshop to create a festive swag. It's a fundraiser for the Children's Education 
department at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, of course, takes place at the TBG. Uh, Michael Erdman is the host, the designer. The cost is $50. Everything is included for that $50. Contact milnhouse.christmas at gmail.com to book a spot. And number two, um, you know, let the bells ring and the banners fly. This is a big announcement. The Urban Nature Store wins and won for Best Gift Store in the Toronto Star Reader's Choice Awards. Beautiful. How exciting is that? Of course, Urban Nature Store is one of our sponsors, and Paul Oliver was with us last week on the show, Mr. Bird, Mr. Nature, and uh, he's pretty excited because, you know, winning something like that, the best gift store, that is a a big category, right? Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show you. The Urban Nature Store is more than just bird feed and bird feeders. They've got a lot going on in those stores. So if you have anybody on any of your lists, your lists for giving, remember that this is a wonderful store to head into for the nature enthusiast. You'll you'll definitely find something that will thrill them. Fabulous. Okay, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, garden tips and advice, you know it. Yeah, Charlie Dobbin, goddess of the garden. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I learned so much from you. And uh, so much. It's been, yeah, such such a great, great uh, time every Saturday morning that I get to spend with you and all the things I learned. I'm so happy that you're here with me because you do make it fun for me, too. Good. Excellent. Well, let's go to our first caller. I have got Jean on the line, and she's calling from Newmarket. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Good morning. And, Charlie, we have a family feud going on over here, and you're (laughs) going to be the judge. Uh, Someone who I will keep nameless has a cracked cactus cactus. Woohoo, Christmas cactus with seven prongs. It's the saddest thing. Can I just pull them and plunk them back in the soil to make it fuller? Or do I get my wish and buy a new one? So you mean like, so hold on. So so one stem is coming up out of the soil and it's like seven segments joined together? No, there are seven stems that come out of the soil. And and how big or tall is any of this? Oh, three inches, and they all have blooms. Oh, mm. so wait. So what do you want to do? You want to cut, you want to make it bushier? Yes. Yep. I think it kind of yeah. All right. So it kind of depends if the seven are growing from the center out like um like a waterfall then give this plant time and it will because ultimately a christmas cactus just gets wider and wider and more waterfall like over the years if they're all seven sort of growing in one direction then you're right you might need to do some modification because you do want a balanced plant in the pot and also take a take a look make sure that um, there's no roots growing out of the bottom of the pot that it's in the right size pot um so, and, and if it's blooming now, I wouldn't do anything radical. Wait until it's finished blooming, and then you can do anything you want. I mean, of course, you can nip off those tips once the flowers are done and replant and get more stems growing right. out of the pot. But then that might not be appropriate. It might be better just to uh, let it be and enjoy the, um, let it, you know, let it grow. Um, the stems are all over the pot, and I've let it be for at least three years, 
and it's not getting any better. I'm wondering, can I just pull those prong after they bloom? Can I pull those little guys off? Do I have to root them or can I just stick them in the ground? You won't be able to root them in water. The way if you do want to not, if you want to root them before you plant them, then you'll just sit the little segments on a windowsill, just on a piece of newspaper or whatever, let them sit there and roots will just grow in the air when you let them sit. So, um, uh, so then you would plant them when, once you've got little roots growing or or what I'll usually do is just jam the little segments slightly into the soil, not way down, just slightly in. You can hold them if they feel like they're going to fall over by putting in some toothpicks or or if they're long segments, you can hold them up with um, chopsticks, something just to hold them in place and they will root eventually into the soil. But don't let them rot, like make sure it's not a wet, wet soil. Thank you very much. I'd rather go out and buy a new one, but uh, that's between you and me. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks. You're welcome. You know, Jean, it is worth it. I know sometimes they aren't the prettiest plants and they need a little bit of support and help, but I have had callers send me pictures of like 50-year-old Christmas cactus that was great-grandmothers, and they're massive. They're like a meter across, and they're beautiful. When they're, My brother has a huge one. When they're blooming, they are a showpiece. They're gorgeous. Right. I don't know if I'll live that long. Thank you very much. Yeah, I I grew up with, uh, we had one in our home that uh, was the the pride of my my mother. Yes, she loved the Christmas guy. Big, big, big. Yeah, I, I didn't realize until you said that they could be, they could live that long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, they're they they're perennial. They can live forever if you can keep them alive. Okay. Don't overwater them. And yeah. and most people I think who are successful, number one is you stop transplanting them at some point because you can't. They're too big, uh, and they just stay in the same pot. Eventually, like you go in there with a little spoon and you add soil because the soil disappears. So just to bring it up, uh, you know, half an inch, quarter of an inch inside the pot. Uh, outside all summer, for most people, they find that works the best. Out into the humidity and the the natural elements not in full sun necessarily might be sort of half day sun and then in you know once we've had a light frost once things are really cooling down they'll bring them in and uh, they're just gorgeous wonderful okay just before we take our next break i'm going to give the numbers out again 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740 we'll be right back with much more on the garden show Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. And uh, those numbers, once again, 416-360-0740 or one 866 744 740. You might have an indoor question. You might have an outdoor question. You might have a flower question. You might have a watering question. I can tell you with all confidence that Charlie will have some two cents <laughs> to put in on that for sure. Okay, let's go to um, let's go to George now. George is from St. Catharines. Welcome to the Garden Show, George. Yes, good morning. <clears throat> uh, my question is the proper method of growing Brussels sprouts. I've tried on a few occasions. And the plants seem to grow like fairly tall, but the one time they were totally covered with aphids, so mm. I gave up on it. And this year I tried again, 
And the same thing, the stems grew two, three feet tall, but the underside of the leaves and the plant itself was just loaded with, I don't know what it was, but when I wiped it with a glove, my, my glove was green, like there were eggs of some sort. Mm, yeah, it could be. There are cabbage loopers and cabbage moths, and of course they'll go after Brussels sprouts okay. and aphids, as you point out. And aphids come in every color. They could be black, they could be green, they can be orange. They're all colors. So when you, you smear them, it's hard to know, you know, but every color of the rainbow is pretty much possible. So listen, um, Brussels sprouts shouldn't be that hard to grow. Um, good, well-drained, fertile soil. That goes without saying. Number one or number two in that list is full sun. So six hours or more of direct sun every day. And make sure that the plants are consistently watered. I think that that's one of our challenges in our vegetable gardens when we get into the heat of the summer is you know, we don't get rain sometimes for a couple of weeks, and it's important that we're maintaining um, consistent moisture on the plants, which is not to say every day, but to make sure that they are getting roughly an inch of water a week or two and a half centimeters a week. Um, direct sowing, of course, we just typically sow the, the seeds outside. It sounds like you've had no issues with the seeds. And make sure that they are good two feet apart because they need air, they need sun, and you're less likely to have pests like aphids arrive if you um, you know give them the conditions that are optimal. When you do, or if you do see insects like aphids, they'll start on the tip. Always look at the top of the plant. They'll be in the tenderest, you know, newest growth, and you'll see the little tiny cluster of insects. And very simply, a soap solution will annihilate the aphids. So safer soap you can buy in the store, ready to go, or you can make your own soap solution. 40 parts water, one part soap, uh, mix and spray, and, um, and, and make sure that they're dead. Spray more than once if necessary, and never spray in the heat of the day. When it's a hot sunny day, never spray, particularly soap, onto your plants. Do it early in the day, sunrise, sunset, and let the soap sit there for an hour or so, and then wash it off with the hose. And you'll find that you can keep the pests down by, by just keeping an eye on the plants, and, and hopefully you won't get pests. Top dress with composted manure halfway through the summer, just to, again, feed the plants, keep them healthy. Is it okay, like, to cut the leaves off, like what I did eventually, since the underside of the leaves were so loaded, like I cut the, you know, leaves were a fair size, and obviously I have those little white butterflies in the garden all the time, yeah. I guess the common cabbage yeah. butterfly, but, like, I hate using insecticide on them, like, you know. So, uh, Those are cabbage moths, those little white butterflies, yeah. and they are the ones laying the eggs. And then, of okay. course, the eggs hatch and they start chewing little holes into your little baby Brussels sprouts. Um, the thing about taking the leaves off is that you lower the plant's ability to photosynthesize, meaning you slow down its growth. Right. So. I try to not remove leaves if I don't have to. Of course, the stems are green. There is lots of should be lots of surface area for the plant to be happy and keep growing. But um, but yeah, just it's one of those things that we um, we need to uh, you know maximize the growth of the plant and the health of the plant by maintaining as much green material as we can. 
Okay, thank you. I'll try the soap okay. situation. Yeah, and I guess one other soap. thing I'm just flashing on George would be consider mulching around the plants. Well, That'll I, help I, hold I, the I moisture. I do that all the time. There's no problem with watering. It was just the insect. In fact, this year they mm. were so bad, I actually mm. destroyed the plants like eh? because mm. they were just completely loaded with whatever the heck was on them. Mm. Well, don't be afraid to use safer, like a soap solution, uh, very specifically on the Brussels sprouts. You're not going to spray it all over the yard, but no, no. It, it is something that, you know, you want those plants to live and be happy and healthy. You're going to have to control the insects on them. Okay. okay then. Yeah, good, yeah, good luck with that, George. Good luck in okay. the spring. Thank you. Um, uh, Charlie, I, we, uh, before we go uh, to our next caller, I do have an email here that came in from, uh, from Leslie. Uh, because we were talking about Christmas cactus a little earlier. Mm -hmm. She sent you a couple of pictures, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that you remember the pictures. And they've got, I mean, the leaves are showing almost like, I would say, like holes or brown spots and or scabs in them. And yeah. she was wondering mm -hmm. if you could maybe suggest what is going wrong at that with that plant. Right. Yeah. So, and you're right. They they almost look like scars or scabs, bumps on the leaves of her Christmas cactus. And she's wondering, yeah, why is this happening? She yeah. has two plants. One is fine and one is not. So, you know, what's the difference? Well, the reason we get those bumps or those scabs on the leaves of Christmas cactus are there's like three reasons. One is overwatering. So, watering too often. Remember, if you're going to water, water thoroughly. So you've really, you know, give, drenched the plant. The water has run through the drainage holes. You've emptied the saucer from below. It's thoroughly watered. But do not water again until that soil is bone dry. So you want to feel the surface of the soil. If it's spongy, do not water again. It might be two months before you water. Like, don't water on the calendar. It, it, once we get to not only dry on the surface, but now no bounce on our soil, like it's like desert, now mm -hmm. we water. So overwatering, easy to do. That can cause the bumps or scabs too low of light. Uh, Christmas cactus wants to be in a nice bright spot inside our homes. And number three, <clears throat> sudden temperature <clears throat> change, drop, excuse me. Um, so uh, window open, uh, too near a window, uh, right near a hot air um, vent, you know, furnace vent. So just remember, we want to be careful with any kind of ma major temperature changes. Yeah. And invest in those little vent deflectors. Very simple, you know, Home Depot, clear plastic magnets on either mm -hmm. end. They sit on top of the vent. They deflect that hot air from going straight up over the window to across the floor at your at your foot level. And that way you can have plants in the window without the hot air blowing on them. Gotcha, okay. Uh, there was something you said uh, to our last caller there that uh, jumped out at me that I gotta tell you. You know, you were talking about the leaves, of course, uh, reluctant to take them off because they're the, you know, the, the photosynthesis, which helps mm -hmm. the plant grow. They're almost mm -hmm. like little solar panels, aren't they? It would be they, like, exactly. that's what I was thinking of. Like if you have solar panels on your roof, if you take them all off, you're not going to get the power harnessed, right? Well, that's when I was teaching at Durham College. I used to tell students, leaves are the original solar panels. Like solar panels are just copies of leaves. Right. The, the, the idea of that surface area 
facing the sun, converting the sun energy gotcha. into something else, something usable. In the case of plants, they convert sun energy into sugar and carbohydrates. And right. of course, in the case of solar panels, we convert sun energy into a usable source of energy. Well, so it, it had never occurred to me. and There was just something in that conversation, and I thought, that's what it reminds me of. So that's uh, so. I then, if you understand that, you understand the importance of not removing the leaves because then it it doesn't help the plant to to grow. That's right, because you, you maximizing photosynthesis usually maximizes growth and health of the plant. Okie dokie. Okay, wow. Okay, <laughs> see, I, I learned something again. There you go. The light bulbs are my going epiphany. Going. There you are. Four one six. 360-0740. That's the Toronto number. We have lots of room on the lines right now, so give us a call. Okay, don't be shy. Uh, if you live outside Toronto, it's a toll-free number. one 866 740 Don't do this. Don't wait to the last six minutes of the show to call. <laughs> this happens, and then we can't get to everybody. But right now, we have lots of room on the lines, so give us a call. Right now, we're going to go to uh, Wilma, who's calling from Holstein. How are you, uh, Wilma? Very good, very good. Uh, nice snowy morning here. Everything's oh, coming. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. You, you suggested putting your Christmas cactus outside in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And that's how I lost mine. Oh. Because we have forest creatures. <sighs> and uh, I, it was under a bush right at my front door. And when I looked to, went to look at it, there was nothing, nothing above the ground in the pot. And I babied it and took it back in at that point, and uh, I had lost my Christmas cactus. <laughs> oh. Wow. So do you think something ate it or it rotted or yes. what happened? No, no, something ate it off right, at, right to the ground enough that it literally killed the root. I assumed. Hmm. I get maybe a rabbit? I would assume either that or we've got chipmunks and squirrels too. So your your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. Sounds right. like a Grinch Grinch came around and stole the Christmas. <laughs> oh, he was very busy. He was very busy. <laughs> so it wasn't the moral a real of the story is I put it out. But uh, it certainly got a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, I, I still think it's valuable to put them out if you can. But maybe next time, if you do it, you'll build a little cage around, not little, but maybe a big cage around the Christmas cactus with with netting or, uh, you know, chicken wire or something. I did that last year with my sweet potatoes because the chipmunks kept chewing off and, and messing around with my sweet potatoes as they were coming up. So uh -huh. I built like I was, they looked really stupid. These little tents with wire and and some netting, and uh -huh. just until the plant got strong enough that the chipmunks couldn't couldn't annihilate them, then I took the tent away. But um, but yeah, sometimes we have to set up little protective devices to well, keep I those creatures too, away. Well, I wonder too about even hanging and hanging them in some of the trees. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people do that with orchids a lot. That works really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, I haven't had a Christmas cactus for a lot of years now. Oh, Actually, well, put that on your Christmas list. Of one of my ancestors, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> I bet, I bet, yeah, no, that's a risk for sure. So yeah. maybe always keep a piece behind when you do put the plant out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Thanks for calling, Wilma. Hindsight. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the call there, Wilma. Um, it's, when we, Wilma was talking about uh, hanging them in the trees, I thought of my trip to the uh, the Urban Nature Store, and I thought, well, we could install them on the squirrel buster uh, bird feeder. We could maybe mm-hmm. hang them in there, and then when the squirrels get on there, <laughs> whip them around. <laughs> so I, I, I quite enjoy Not quite. I loved my visit to the Urban Nature Store after last mm-hmm. week's show. And I got myself some things, including some seed and some other stuff. But I was greatly amused by the Squirrel Buster. Yeah, it's a very, very expensive but fun uh, bird feeder because it's so entertaining. And if you've got squirrels that are some of like crazy inbred urban squirrels that many people (laughs) deal with, they just never give up, right? They'll just keep on jumping on that, and they'll keep getting flung off. And yeah. uh, and your and the video, if you go to, I think it's squirrelbusters.com, yeah. go to their website. It gives you a real giggle watching what they videoed. Yeah, well, and so, you know, what? one last comment on uh, Paul's shop there is uh, Urban Nature. So so much selection. Like, I saw that, but then you turn around and there's all sorts of, there's so many varieties of bird feeders and bird this and bird that. And as you say, other things for your garden, not just bird stuff, but so much variety. Just, well, I just loved it. Yeah, well, as an example, my I have a grand nephew who's now two, but on his first birthday a year ago, we went into the Urban Nature Store and got these little birds. I don't know if you noticed them. They're like stuffed birds. Um, and when you squeeze them, they have the, the, the call of the bird. It oh. is on a little battery-operated gizmo inside the, the stuffed bird. But it's not a fake sound. It's an actual real sound. It's the Audubon Society that created these little stuffed birds and so i we got him like a blue jay and a, a robin and a chickadee and gosh they're so cute they're just, and he loves them <laughs> great great no that's great he had lots of stuff in there to see for sure mm-hmm. okay let's go to uh let's go to maureen who is calling from north york welcome to the garden show maureen good morning dean good morning charlie this good morning is this is this is maureen with my annual poinsettia <laughs> because I listen to what you say and I always seem to kill them by the middle of January. (laughs) What? Your poinsettias? Yes. I think I'm wondering if it's um, a light issue. Uh, How much light do poinsettias actually need? Poinsettia. Poinsettia. I'm not even pronouncing it right today. No, it's actually poinsettia. But um, how much light? You know what? They do not do not put them in a southern window. Like they don't want a hot spot like a west or southern window. If your room is really bright because you've got that kind of um, direction, then keep the plant 10 feet away from the window. So it's all just bright and indirect. If you're more eastern or northern with the room that the poinsettia is in, then you can put it right in the window if you like, because you've got that softer, more gentle light. So they do not want that extreme hot, hot. They're very hard to keep properly watered if they're in that much of a hot spot in your house. Okay, I have one. I put it in uh, the living room window, which faces east. So he's doing pretty okay. But then I Mm -hmm. put another one. It's in my hall. And the hall window is actually west, so I guess that's what's wrong. So, because I saw some leaves are starting to fall off, I thought, okay, let's let's talk to talk to Charlie. So, okay, I'll move him. I'll move him into the living room too. <laughs> um, but Maureen, is the hall off of the front door or back door? It's near the front door. Yeah. Right. So, poinsettias hate cold drafts. 
It could be that too. The opening and closing of the door can cause complete defoliation of a poinsettia. So keep well away from doors that are opening or windows that are opening. Uh, and again, hot air vents. They they like just a nice steady, te- you know, room temperature uh, and a bright spot. That's that. If you do that and feel the surface of the soil every day, and again, feel it should feel dry to your touch, but still be a bit spongy below. And as long as you've got that, you know, dry to the touch and spongy below, it's time to water. But don't let the plant sit in water. Dump the saucer once, uh, once you know, 20 minutes or so has gone by. Oh, you answered my question. It's because, see, I put it in the hall because when people come in, I want them to see a nice Christmassy poinsettia. But obviously, mm-hmm. if I want to do that, I better put a fake one there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or a little, a little artificial Christmas tree. Just plug it into the wall, and that's pretty, pretty festive, too. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, thank you, Charlie. <laughs> I've got a new one that's only 18 inches high that I usually take out. But I'll put it in okay. the hall. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks, Maureen. Look at that. In one show, you become a, you're become also a decorator. You were a family counselor at the top of the show, settling family disputes. <laughs> you do it all. I was going to say, call the doctor is in. Yeah. Call anytime. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay, we're about to take our next break. I'm going to give the numbers out again, 416 360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. We will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, yes, we are back here in The Garden Show, and my call to action worked. Now we have the board full of callers, so let's get to them, Charlie. <laughs> okay, we have got uh, Jennifer, who's calling from uh, St. Catharines, and Jennifer is a first-time caller. Welcome to The Garden Show, Jennifer. Hi, good morning. Morning. Oh, and there, your Love garden your show. Welcome I to the show. To you every Saturday. Thank you. What I you have... I have a question today about powdery mildew on my begonias. I've been growing begonias in the summer garden this year, and I decided to bring them in under my grow lights. <clears throat> they look really good, um, but I first noticed that there was, um, you know, that gray fuzz on the surface of the soil, and I'm assuming it's powdery mildew, so I scuffed it up with my fingers and it seemed to disappear. But now I have it on the leaves, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how to get rid of that powdery mildew on the leaves. I've been cutting the leaves off, but that's probably not the best thing to do. Well, so first, help me a bit. There's so many different kinds of begonias. Do you have any idea what kind of begonias you brought in? Yep, it's Meaning, a millennia. Go ahead. Solenia begonia, S-O-L-E-N-I-A. S-O-L-E-N-I-A. Wow. So the reason I'm asking is because some begonias we can keep in our homes as houseplants and other ones... S-O-L-E-N-I. And others, we uh, need to allow them to go dormant. So that's the thing. Oh, it's a Rieger begonia. So Rieger begonia. Yes, it's a Rieger, it's a Rieger begonia, and it's one mm-hmm. of those that has a patent on it. Mm-hmm. They're hard, kind of I hard see. to find. They're absolutely beautiful 
large mm-hmm. flower begonias. Uh, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to have to double check. I think that, yeah, it's a proven winner. Gotta love proven winners. They're beautiful plants for mm-hmm. sure. I think, but you know what? I will, ha- I'll look this up. I think that um, this is a plant that has a tuber below the soil. And the reason okay. you, you've got the powdery mildew going on is because it really doesn't want to be forced to keep growing. It wants to just slow down and go to sleep and have a break. So uh-huh. allowing that to happen. But stay stay with the show. And as soon as we go to a break, I'm going to just double check and I'll report back before the show is over. Um, I think you don't want to toss the plants, but you're not going to be able to cure that, that powdery uh, mildew. Once that's on the plant and it's in the house, you are going to be stuck with that disease. And ultimately, the plant's going to die. So I think we're going to have to let it just go dormant and then allow it to start to grow again in the spring and it'll be a whole new plant. But stay tuned and I'll I'll let you know for sure. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Thanks. And don't be a stranger there, Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. Coffee's always on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now we're going to Keswick and we have Mary on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Oh, thank you. I'm calling Mm -hmm. about my... uh, fuchsia plant and um, beautiful looking, yes it is and i'd like to keep it but it's it's seen better times and it, it is fairly old but uh, i'm i'm wondering if i shouldn't i usually overwinter it in the house in a cool cool uh, um it's a cool west facing window but mm-hmm. uh, it uh, and i trim it but it mm-hmm. really hasn't bounced back um the- Right. So when it came in, is it in a hanging basket or is it a stand-up? It's in a hanging basket. Okay. And so when it came in at the end of the summer before frost, was it looking a bit peaked at that point? Well, it was probably a bit peaked when I I put it out, and I I must say I didn't trim it. <clears throat> excuse me, didn't uh, trim it uh, when I you know early enough in the spring to let it really grow. Mm. So it's very leggy now. And um, it, and it when, did produce flowers and everything else. So you said it's fairly old. When was the last time it was transplanted? Yeah, so or that's another it? question. Yeah, it hasn't been for several years. Okay, and so it's in probably the original pot you bought it in? Uh, no, I don't think so, but uh, that was a long time ago, like probably. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. okay, so you know what? What I think is going on there... Potting mixes or any plants in pots that we have transplanted plants into, not the garden soil, but potting mix, is virtually inert. It it comes in the bag sterile in terms of nutrient. It is a wonderful media for the plants to grow in. It anchors the roots and it allows them, you know, available moisture, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no natural um, nutrient or food in potting mix. So when we grow plants in pots, whether it's inside the house or outside the house, we must fertilize and we must fertilize consistently when the plants are actively growing. So for now, your fuchsia should not be actively growing. So you're not going to fertilize it now. But what I would do is I'd keep it in that cool western location. I would cut it right back, uh, clean it up. Um, When I say cut it right back, cut it as far as you can until you to make, but always make sure you've got a little bit of green leaves left on it. Um, if it's 
got long straggly stems and the leaves are only on the tips and in the center of the plant it's all brown and woody then it's you're a little bit it's a little bit hard to trim because you can kill it trimming it back now if it's got no growth or green leaves growing in the center you can do a slow cut one side first that will force some new growth on the other side you know that side and then cut the other side and do a over a period of a month or so cut it back or just let it sit there and be ugly and straggly all winter in late february hard prune and start fertilizing every three to four weeks with a flowering plant fertilizer and you should be able to get just boom right back with new growth and lots of beautiful leaves and flowers uh, um so it doesn't um so i Okay, well, that's what I've partially done. But I, I know my grandmother, it is not her plant, but she used to keep it on the back porch, uh, so to mm-hmm. speak, an enclosed porch. And mm-hmm. she just never did anything with it, apparently. So I just thought maybe yeah. I shouldn't be bringing it in and leaving it in the day, uh, daylight. Her back porch must have been somehow insulated because that is a tropical plant. So if, if uh-huh. the temperature drops below mm, two or three degrees Celsius, it will die. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. as long as you can keep it above two or three degrees Celsius, even four or five, like refrigerator temperature would be fine. The The point is, is that you don't want it to freeze or it'll die. And the cooler it is, the the slower it, it grows in the sense that it just goes semi-dormant for the winter. Uh, and that's the advantage of the, the back porch, as long as it's insulated and not, and it, the plant is frost-free. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good plan. Thank you very much. All right. Much. Okay. Thank you. Thanks yep. for calling. Yeah, thanks for the call and good luck with that. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show for our last handful of minutes. And Charlie, uh, we are going to go right now to Michael, who's calling from Etobicoke. Welcome to The Garden Show, Michael. Uh, good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, I morning. have a, sort of a lazy gardener question. And uh, <laughs> uh, earlier in the summer, I was um, I bought two specimens. One is um, a dwarf cypress, and other dwarf juniper. Very nice. They're in like uh, like one gallon, if that size pots. Mm-hmm. And I've incorporated them in some uh, planters, and now. I'm using them for Christmas decor in said planters, just kind of adapting them. The question is, I'm not really wanting to plant them yet in the garden fully. Will I be able to keep them in some fashion in those planters till the spring and put them in the garden somewhere permanently? All right, so these planters are outside, right? That's right, in a very sequestered spot, I should say, but definitely outside. Good. They should be outside. And of course, uh, when you say sequestered from wind and sun? Uh, Yes, both. Yes. Oh, perfect. And how big are the pots that the little one galloners went into? Um, Oh, they're, they're, they're rather large, like maybe two feet across. Cool. And what, what are the pots? Are they big plastic pots or wooden containers? Uh, What are they? Cast cement. Yes. Okay. Cast cement. Hmm. Uh, You know what? 
could they could survive make sure that you've got they're well watered uh, because the cement is not only losing moisture off the surface of the soil but also from the sides of the the planter uh, if it's a not um, sealed or you know ceramic kind of a, a concrete planter yeah unsealed and yeah. depends on the winter junipers are very tough hard to kill a juniper i'd say you've probably got a 99% of survival with the juniper cypress um, probably false cypress, not yeah. as guaranteed. It's a little more of a tender plant. Yeah. But, you know, mild enough winter and you're good if you're being out of the wind and out of the sun is important. The bigger the pot is important. So, you know, you've done everything right that you can do. Um, so I would, you know, sort of keep your fingers crossed, keep an eye on them. They're probably going to be fine. Um, sometimes I'll, do you have anything on the surface of the soil, like maybe some uh, Yeah, like mulch? I have like gentle moss and I kind of like recess them down. Like, you know, they're almost level with the surface yeah and they're but they're oh. in their own little plastic po- uh, pot oh, okay so you left them in the pots that's fine yeah make sure you might um make sure that the yeah you, you almost want to okay recessed is good you want them so that the soil is under the soil right the pots are under the soil oh, okay, because that's so that a little bit of insulation okay, from the it. outside yeah. temperatures but yeah no your, your chances are probably good and the moss is a great idea because again that helps hold in the moisture sure thank you so much i really appreciate it great advice yeah I want to hear back from you in the spring about how they came through. Yes, indeed. Okay, (laughs) let's go to uh, let's go to Carl in Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Carl. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Fine. Good morning. My my, good morning. My question would be, and I have orchids. Uh, They're in perlite soil, and the leaves are about ten inches, six inches, and ten inches. I want to know if they'll reflower again. Oh, for sure, for sure. But wait, they're straight vermiculite or perlite? Yeah, they're uh, not. They're mixed soil like perlite and black black earth. Uh, okay, so that's a bad idea. Orchids are not terrestrial plants. You do not want to put them into soil. There's. You need to. Did you transplant them into this mix? Yes. Okay, so you need to go to your local garden center or sometimes even like a Canadian tire has what uh, what you want. And um, right away, you want to get them out of what they're in now and wash all that off the roots and get a hold of orchid bark. Bark orchid is bark. what orchids grow in. And how long will it take before they uh, reflower again? Uh, gosh, that depends on a lot of things. Uh, it depends on the amount of light, the amount of fertilizer, the watering, the temperature, et cetera, et cetera. But in the right media, with the right care, and you know, indirect light, water when dry, and water by um, immersing the whole pot in water is what I do. Uh, you know what? You can keep orchids blooming year-round almost, and the blooms, once they start, last for months and months. Do, when you're out shopping, get a hold of some orchid fertilizer, because they do appreciate fertilizer as well. Okay, then. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Carl. You know, I, I know that our next question is an orchid question, so let's just jump there really quickly to Pat okay. and see if we can answer it really quickly. What do you got there, Pat, for uh, for Charlie? Good morning. Yes, I Good think morning. perhaps you've answered my question. I have an orchid that's just blooming beautifully right now. It's absolutely glorious, and the leaves are really getting big, and I wondered if I could transplant an orchid uh, back into uh, more of the bark. So I, I think you've answered that with the other gentleman. 
Yeah, and when it's blooming, I try to not mess around with plants when they're blooming. So wait until the blooms are done. Maybe uh, the spring or late winter would be a better time. And if you're looking for a bigger pot, because sometimes our orchids are happy and they need bigger pots, get a proper orchid pot. Where was I? Oh, I was at a nursery. I bought clay pots with holes in this, not just the bottom of the pot, but the sides of the pot. And these are orchid pots. They need lots of great air exchange for the roots. They're not traditional underground, roots underground plants. They, the roots are above ground and they need lots and lots of good air exchange. So get a hold of the proper pots, the proper media, and then yes, you can you can definitely transplant, but I wait till they're done flowering. Definitely okay. I will. Thank you very Great. much. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. There we go. I uh, have a quick question, Charlie. My uh, quick question is, what? you mentioned that you can add soil in by tablespoons. Where does it go? How does it disappear? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, good point. Well, it is an organic, like the potting mixes are, are perlite based. Yeah. So it, sorry, are um, peat moss based or core based. That's the brown stuff, right? It's the brown substrate because there's no soil anymore in potting okay. mixes and it will decompose. It takes a while, but oh, it slowly okay. but surely will decompose. And, um, and just, I don't know if there's time. I'm just quickly doing my homework here so fast on that begonia, Jennifer's begonia. So I look, I'm in a, website if she wants to check this out it's called the laid back gardener one word dot blog from 2019 and he's talking specifically about rieger begonias overwintering them very difficult to do they are annuals the way they're grown like that proven winners she's selenius yeah seleni is um are very difficult to, to keep alive i'll see if i can find anything else and and report back first thing next week thank you everybody i've gone over my time so thanks dean thanks ashy great calls again take care see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.